Welcome to Brainstorm by Us Against Alzheimer's, a patient-centered nonprofit organization. Your host, Meryl Comer, is a co-founder, 24-year caregiver, an Emmy Award-winning journalist, and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Slow Dancing with a Stranger. This is Brainstorm, and I'm Meryl Comer. Us Against Alzheimer's commitment across its work platforms of prevention, early detection, and access to treatments is to support diversity that builds equity and inclusion for all. Joining us is Dr. Fayron Epps, Associate Professor, Director of Community Engagement and Research in the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at the Woodruff School of Nursing at Emory University. It's great to have you. You participated at our recent USA2 Summit. Did the commitment ring true, and how does it align with what the Black community means when it says health equity? I think the commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and making sure that we get this message out about brain health and brain health equity is so important. And in the communities that I'm working with, one of my goals is to be able to come out there and bring the information so we can ultimately say that we're working toward brain health equity. If we think about it, two, three years ago, this was not happening. But now I'm able to do that along with some of my colleagues. So I do think we are working toward that goal. Your strategy and advice to us all is to meet people where they are. How have you engaged the Black pastors, who are the most trusted voice in the community, to carry the message of prevention and brain health? So I think one of the biggest things for me has been being persistent. You know, a lot of people will just assume that, okay, I identify as Black and I'm reaching out to Black pastors, so it's automatic. We have this connection. But it's not the case because each faith community, each faith leader, they have different agenda items, right? Different things that they are prioritizing for their community. And it just takes us to be persistent, to share the message, to share the urgency in the message and why this needs to happen. And that's my reason for working with the faith leaders because they are leading the most trusted institution, especially in the Black community, but in many communities, but in the Black community. And so if I can get that message to them, then that is just one piece of the puzzle. And then the other piece is them being able to deliver it. And I have to say, I've been really excited because not only have they heard me, now I've seen them delivering the message from the pulpit. And that makes my heart smile, makes my heart sing. You know, because I'm like, this is it. This is what we want. So we can get that out there and get these families in the Black community to engage in brain health activities, engage in research. We just had a pastor on October the 7th. We did a town hall in Columbus, Georgia, and she got up and she spoke about how working with me in my program called ALTER, which is a dementia outreach program for Black churches, how it has changed the way they do things. And now she has her and her church members are signing up for research. Now they're putting things in place because they do have individuals that are living with dementia. And I was just like, yes, yes, yes. You know, because, you know, I have all of these goals and everything I want my program to do, but it's not until I hear from the pastors what is actually happening. Well, congratulations. They're honing the message with you. Explain how your work with Us Against Alzheimer's Brain Guide is equipping the African-American faith community with tools to promote brain health and support families facing dementia. 
Yes. Oh, such a great question. And I'm excited about the partnership that I'm doing with my brain guy. I will let you know just a little background. When I'm going out in the community, I'm talking about dementia and the things that families go through automatic from the audience was what can we do? We understand what you're saying is happening, but what can we do about this? And this is when I was able to introduce brain health and then start introducing doing memory screenings, memory questionnaire. And when working with mybrainguide.org and my brain guide, when they started putting things together, I was so glad that they called to get feedback because I was able to test it in the black community and see that's this work. And now they had that pilot in Atlanta for us to roll it out. I think it's been very successful because now it's part of every outreach that we do in the communities in Georgia and even beyond. I bring my brain guide with me, but every single community, we are pushing my brain guide. And then we had faith community saying we want more. So they were getting so excited and getting people to do the memory questionnaire. They wanted more. And so I went back to the team and say, what can we do? And we are actually now developing brain health in a box for the faith communities that I work with. And every time I talk to one of my church partners, they're like, where is it? Where is it? They are just so excited to get it and to start implementing it. And we'll be rolling it out in November where they'll get more education. And then we'll give them practical tips on how they actually can implement some of these brain health activities, implement using the brain guide within their faith community. So we're super, super excited about that. That's great. From your experience, does this refocus on prevention rather than disease help reduce the stigma of Alzheimer's? I do think our focus on reducing the risk does help with the stigma. I have to say it does because then it gives people a platform to kind of just have these conversations that are not quote unquote scary. I've had some families say, well, you know what? Maybe this is a little hope because if we engage in these activities, it's hope that we may can reduce our risk and we won't be totally affected by dementia. And so that has been very helpful. Smoking, obesity, hypertension, they're all independent risk factors linked to dementia. What is the frontline role nurses like yourself can play in that translation? I think the biggest part is as nurses and in healthcare professionals, when we're out here doing community education, I think we have to find a way to relate to that community. And I think that is the biggest thing that we need to do is when we identify these risk factors, make them relatable back to the community so the community can see, oh, okay, because sometimes at this high level, they're not connected the dots, right? If we say heart disease, they're not connecting the dots. But if we break it down and we say high blood pressure, high blood sugar, and this is actually what's helping, then they're able to connect the dots. And I think that's very important for nurses that are going out doing community education is to make sure that we're able to break down the information to something that's relatable and that the community that we're educating can understand. Nurses, hospital workers, and caregivers in senior living homes were recognized as health heroes during COVID. What are the continuing unique challenges that Black dementia caregivers face? We just know what comes with caregiving. And being a Black caregiver, you are faced with unique 
challenges and you're put in unique situations just because of the color of your skin. And I think over the past couple of years, we can just see how things have been highlighted as what happens in the Black community and the injustices. And that does not go away just because someone becomes a caregiver. And I think that's very important for the community and society to understand that. And even for agencies to realize that that doesn't go away, that is just an extra layer added to their caregiving role. Their role is being part of the care partner team. And some of those unique challenges could be the discrimination when they're going to the provider and getting dismissed from a diagnosis or not being taken seriously, not being offered certain programs. And I've had so many families come to me and I know there are programs that exist. I'm, I'm in this world, but they would say, but they didn't offer that to me. You know, and so these are the things that we have to deal with. I do a lot of work with persons living with dementia. And one person shared with me there was opportunity for them to participate in a clinical trial, but it was offered to their white counterpart first instead of them. And they were right there. So it's things like that that people may not think of, but being a Black caregiver or being identifying as Black on this journey, you're faced with unique challenges. Dr. Epps, how did your work with survey results from Us Against Alzheimer's A-List inform the design of your program, Caregiving While Black? Working with A-List is getting that information. I know we work together coming up with certain questions just to kind of poll, check the temperature. And those things have actually helped inform some of the content that we put in Caregiving While Black. Caregiving While Black is a psychoeducation program for caregivers that addresses the cultural and the practical reality of supporting someone living with dementia as a Black American. And we covered some of the key components that have been asked in A-List as it relates to the interaction which you have with your healthcare provider, also how to manage home life, and then taking care of yourself. Do you think the Black nursing community feels that their dedication to their patients has been properly recognized and rewarded? That's a hard question to answer. I think each community is different in how they respect and treat the nurses overall. So, you know, of course, my response, I'm going to be a little biased because I am a nurse and we are the best. Yes. And we can do it all and no one can do our job. Right. But, you know, it depends on the community itself. There's some communities that do respect what nurses bring to the table, do respect the knowledge, their experience, their expertise. And then there's some communities that don't. So it's all, again, based on the community that you're serving. Dr. Epps, the very fact that you created the program Caregiving While Black indicates that there were issues that had to be addressed from your point of view as a researcher. Yes, there were. I had families telling me what they needed. And so Caregiving While Black was actually responding to the needs of the Black community. And so there's a term that a lot of people may start reading now is being culturally responsive. And so that is responding to the needs of cultural groups. And that's what this actually was, was me responding to the needs of caregivers out in the streets at community events. And they're telling me their experiences. I am part of focus groups and I see Black caregivers shut down. And so this is me following up with them on, oh, why did you shut down? Why all of a sudden you just stopped participating in the questions and responding and just hearing from them how they just couldn't relate. Because their experience is so different. They live in a food desert. They're trying to see how they can get food for their family, 
not worrying about taking trips to Paris. And so their experiences are a little bit different. You know, how can they get access to certain things? Not worried about going and having a fine dining experience. Dr. Epps, earlier you have mentioned that you're very persistent. I want to know if you're also optimistic and what is your call to action to the community at large? I want to say I'm optimistic, yes. And you know, my call to action for the community at large, I think I've said this a couple of times, is we no longer can be silent. Now, I think we all need to be able to speak up, be able to share our experiences. And that can be the experiences, your personal experience, your experience as a family caregiver, your experience as a person living with dementia. To me, that is the only way that we can reduce the stigma that exists, especially in the Black community. I need the faith leaders to speak up as you become educated. Please share the information because you are that trusted resource in the community. So we really need to speak up and not just keep this education and what we learn to ourselves and our experience. We need to be able to help others by speaking up. So we no longer can be silent. Another key takeaway from our conversation is the need to be people where they are if we're ever to achieve our shared goals of health equity and access for all. Thank you for joining us. Our guest has been Dr. Fayron Epps, Associate Professor, Director of Community Engagement and Research in the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at the Woodruff School of Nursing at Emory University. That's it for this edition. I'm Errol Comer. Thank you for brainstorming with us. Us Against Alzheimer's A-List is an online community where people living with dementia, their caregivers, and anyone interested in brain health come together to share their insights. We call it the science of us. Join more than 10,000 A-List members making what matters most to them heard. Sign up at alistforresearch.org. That's A-List, the number four, research.org. Support for Brainstorm by Us Against Alzheimer's comes from our corporate sponsors, Esai and Eli Lilly. Subscribe to Brainstorm on your favorite podcast platform and join us for new episodes on the first and third Tuesday of every month.